1 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. And Solomon was building his house thirteen years, and he finished all his house. He spent seven years building the temple, and thirteen years building his own palace. His own palace had a lot more detail to it and a lot more rooms, but it wasn't inlaid and outlaid with gold, although it probably had a lot of gold in it. 2. For he built the house of the forest of Lebanon. The length thereof was a hundred cubits, and the breadth thereof fifty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits, upon four rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams upon the pillars. Now this is talking about Solomon's palace. It's not talking about the temple. It described the temple in the last chapter. 3. And it was covered with cedar above upon the side chambers that lay on forty and five pillars, fifteen in a row. So in Solomon's palace, he had three rows of pillars, and each row had 15 pillars of cedar wood. These are probably solid cedar tree trunks that he's using for pillars, and his house must have smelled really good. Four, and there were beams in three rows, and light was over against light in three ranks. There were three tiers of windows to make light in the house, so it must have been incredibly beautiful. 5. And all the doors with their posts were square in the frame, and light was over against light in three ranks. Sounds like he had three tiers of light, meaning three tiers of windows, either within the doors or above the doors, probably above the doors. 6. And he made the porch of pillars. The length thereof was 50 cubits, and the breadth thereof 30 cubits, and the porch before them, and the pillars and thick beams before them. You approach the pillars first when you're approaching the porch. 7. And he made the porch of the throne where he might judge even the porch of judgment, and it was covered with cedar from floor to floor. He also has his throne area that has a porch over it, and this is part of his palace. 8. And his house where he might dwell in the other court within the porch was of the like work. He made also a house for Pharaoh's daughter, whom Solomon had taken to wife, like unto his porch. He had a separate house for the queen, his first wife. And this is normal for kings and queens to have separate bedrooms and even separate houses. That doesn't mean that they're never together, but they each get their own servants and their own household to look after, and they can each have their own life separate from the married life. 9. All these were of costly stones, according to the measures of hewn stones, sawed with saws, within and without, even from the foundation unto the coping, and so on the outside unto the great court. Precious stones are used to decorate the courtyards. There's lots of different interpretations on the internet of what Solomon's palace looked like. 11. And above were costly stones, after the measure of hewn stones and cedar wood. 12. And the great court roundabout had three rows of hewn stone and a row of cedar beams, like as the inner court of the house of the Lord and the court of the porch of the house. Solomon spent almost twice as much time building his palace as he did building the temple. There could be multiple reasons for this. For one, the palace would be more complicated. It has to have rooms and furnishings for all kinds of people for all kinds of purposes. It's more complicated. It has to have bathrooms and things like that that the temple wouldn't have to have. It has to have a place where people can dine, recreation areas, and all kinds of other places that the temple just didn't need. And the palace is much bigger because 
thousands of people are going in and out of the palace, tens of thousands of people going in and out of the palace throughout the year, whereas the temple has very little traffic. Most of the traffic is outside the temple where the sacrifices are taking place, but there isn't hardly any traffic inside the temple compared to Solomon's palace. That's one reason it was just a lot more complicated for him to build the palace. Another reason is because the palace was bigger, and it had to be. The temple was for a specific purpose, so its size was limited, whereas the palace had to be a greater size for the high volume of people and the wide variety of activities going on in the palace. The third reason would be that Solomon was kind of selfish, and he spent more time thinking about the place that he would live than thinking about where God dwelled. However, he made sure that the temple was more beautiful, even though it was smaller, because it's covered in gold both inside and out. And his palace wasn't covered in gold like that. His palace is incredibly beautiful, but the temple is definitely more beautiful, even though it's of lesser size. 13. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. 14. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Nephtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and skill to work all works in brass, and he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work. This is a different man than King Hiram. It's a man named Hiram, but it is not King Hiram. This is a different man who is an Israelite from the tribe of Nephtali. 15. Thus he fashioned the two pillars of brass of eighteen cubits high each, and a line of twelve cubits did compass it about, and so the other pillar. And he wants Hiram to make two pillars of brass. 16. And he made two capitals of molten brass to set upon the tops of the pillars. The height of the one capital was five cubits, and the height of the other capital was five cubits. The Greek architecture is noted for capitals and pillars, but we can see that Solomon in his time in Israel was already doing that. So I don't know who borrowed the design from who, but it's a very ancient thing to have pillars with capitals. Probably the Philistines did it too. There were pillars in that hall where Samson killed 3,000 Philistines by breaking the pillars. These are two very special pillars that are made of solid brass. 17. He also made nets of checker work and wreaths of chain work for the capitals, which were upon the top of the pillars, seven for one capital and seven for the other capital. The brass was cast into molds that had these designs. 18. And he made the pillars, and there were two rows round about upon the one network to cover the capitals that were upon the top of the pomegranates, and so did he for the other capital. The capitals are like the tops of the pillars that are decorated. He also put pomegranate designs on these. The pomegranate symbolizes righteousness, knowledge, and wisdom, and beauty. God is beautiful, and everything that Solomon built for the Lord was beautiful. Righteousness, knowledge, and wisdom would be important in Solomon's kingdom because he is a judge over the people. So it represents that God gave him the knowledge and the wisdom and the righteousness to be a good judge. 19. And the capitals that were upon the top of the pillars in the porch were of lily work, four cubits. So the capitals of the porches had lilies on them. And Jesus is the lily of the valley. That's one of his names. 20. And there were capitals above also upon the two pillars close by the belly, which was beside the network, and the pomegranates were two hundred, in rows round about upon each capital. There were a lot of pomegranates. 
200 pomegranates in rows, but it doesn't say how many rows. I wish I could see a picture of this. I looked on the internet, but the pictures are conflicting. I guess different people have different ideas about what it looked like, but it would be really neat to see an accurate picture. 21, and he set up the pillars at the porch of the temple. And he set up the right pillar and called the name thereof Joaquin. And he set up the left pillar and called the name thereof Boaz. Boaz is the grandfather of King David. And he is also the husband of Ruth, the righteous man who married Ruth. And she was righteous. Boaz means swiftness. That shows that Solomon's judgments will be swift and not take long to be carried out. Joaquin means strength or established, and this means that Solomon's judgments will be established, the established judgments of God. It shows that there will be great justice in Solomon's kingdom whenever he judges from his throne. Now, the Freemasons want to take credit for all of this and say that it was their ancestors who built the temple but there's a big problem. First of all, they don't agree with what the Bible says. Their beliefs are actually very satanic when you get up into the higher echelons of Freemasonry. God forbade the Israelites to make altars of carved stone because all the pagans carved their altars where they committed human sacrifice. And the Freemasons, their altars are always made of carved wood or carved stone. Plus, you don't enter their organization by ancestry, by your DNA. You enter by paying a fee and taking oaths, which means there is no DNA connection between the Freemasons and the builders of Solomon's temple. 22. And upon the top of the pillars was lily work, so was the work of the pillars finished. There were lilies decorating both of those pillars, Joaquin and Boaz. This chapter is going back and forth between describing Solomon's palace and Solomon's temple. When it talks about the pillars Joaquin and Boaz, those are at Solomon's temple, which is where the Ark of the Covenant is. So now it's going to talk more about Solomon's temple. The Molten Sea is the basin of water at Solomon's temple that's used for the sacrifice purposes for the priests to wash their hands and feet and to wash other things that have to do with the sacrifice. 23. And he made the molten sea of ten cubits from brim to brim, round in compass, and the height thereof was five cubits, and a line of thirty cubits did compass it round about. 24. And under the brim of it round about there were knops which did compass it for ten cubits, compassing the sea round about. The knops were in two rows when it was cast. 25. And it stood upon twelve oxen, three looking southward, three looking toward the north, and three looking toward the west, and three looking toward the south, and three looking toward the east. And the sea was set upon them above, and all their hinder parts were inward. The temple has to be facing east, because the tabernacle always faced east, which means the back side of the temple is the west side. The north side of the temple is the right side of the temple, and the south side of the temple is the left side of the temple if you're facing the temple. These are molten brass oxen that are decorating the bowl, the huge water bowl made of brass. And three of the oxen are facing north, three south, three east, and three west. They're facing all of the four wall areas of the temple. But they're not inside the temple, they're in the outer court of the temple. And their hinder parts are inward, meaning that the rear end of the oxen is inside the basin or under the basin where you can't really see it. What you're seeing is the front ends, which are their faces and their horns and everything. 
26, and it was a hand breadth thick. That means that it was about six to eight inches thick, the brass of this basin. And the brim thereof was wrought like the brim of a cup, like the flower of a lily. It held 2,000 baths, which is 12,000 gallons of water. This bowl is massive. 27, and he made the ten bases of brass. Four cubits was the length of one base, and four cubits the breadth thereof, and three cubits the height of it. 28, and the work of the bases was on this manner. They had borders, and there were borders between the stays. 29, and on the borders that were between the stays were lions, oxen, and cherubim. It sounds like the sea of brass, which is so huge that it has 12,000 gallons of water in it. That would be really hard to access as a person to get water in and out. So they have bases below it where you can easily access water, which are smaller containers. You dip into the sea and put that water in the bases. And then from the bases, you can actually access the water that you need for the hand washing, the feet washing, the washing of the animal parts, whatever has to be washed, and maybe even to clean the instruments that are used for the sacrifice. 29. And on the borders that were between the stays were lions, oxen, and cherubim. Those are decorations. And upon the stays, it was in like manner above and beneath the lions and oxen were wreaths of hanging work. And again, those are decorations of wreaths. 30. And every base had four brazen wheels and axles of brass, and the four feet thereof had undersetters. Beneath the laver were the undersetters molten with wreaths at the side of each. These bases need wheels so that you can move them around to put water in them, to dump water out, to station them in different areas in the outer court where they could be used for different purposes. Like there might have been one basin only for washing feet, another basin only for washing hands, another basin only for cleaning such and such instrument, etc. And they were decorated with the wreath designs and all of the animal designs. 31. And the mouth of it within the crown and above was a cubit high, and the mouth thereof was round after the work of a pedestal, a cubit and a half, and also upon the mouth of it were gravings, and their borders were four square, not round. 32. And the four wheels were underneath the borders, and the axle trees of the wheels were in the base, and the height of a wheel was a cubit and half a cubit. The height of a wheel was maybe 24 inches, and that's the height of the wheel used on the bases to roll these bases around. 33. And the work of the wheels was like the work of a chariot wheel. Their axle trees and their fellows and their spokes and their naves were all molten. They were all made of brass, and it looked like chariot wheels. 34. And there were four undersetters at the four corners of each base. The undersetters thereof were of one piece with the base itself. 35. And in the top of the base was there a round compass of half a cubit high, and on the top of the base the stays thereof, and the borders thereof were of one piece therewith. 36. And on the plates of the stays thereof, and on the borders thereof, he graved cherubim, lions, and palm trees, according to the space of each, with wreaths round about. The lions represent the tribe of Judah, because it's the royal tribe, and the lion is its symbol, and it's the tribe of Judah from which David and Solomon come. Lions also represent Jesus, because he is also from the tribe of Judah. 37. After this manner he made the ten bases, all of them had one casting, one measure, and one form, meaning they were all exactly identical. 
38, and he made 10 lavers of brass, one laver containing 40 baths, and every laver was four cubits, and upon every one of the 10 bases, one laver. So he has the huge sea of brass, then he has the smaller lavers and the bases. It makes sense to me because you have to dip out of this huge sea, which is going to be really hard to do, and then from the smaller lavers, you have to dip out of those, which will be easier. 39. And he set the bases, five on the right side of the house and five on the left side of the house, and he set the sea on the right side of the house eastward toward the south. The huge sea is in the corner of the courtyard in the southeast corner, near the entrance. 40. And Hiram made the pots and the shovels and the basins. So Hiram made an end of doing all the work that he wrought for King Solomon in the house of the Lord. Now they had made all of these instruments for the tabernacle that was in the wilderness, but Solomon remade all of it for his temple. Because by that time, it could have been toward 80 years that these older tools had been around, so he made new ones. 41. The two pillars and the two bowls of the capitals that were on the top of the pillars and the two networks to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the top of the pillars. 42. And the 400 pomegranates for the two networks, two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were upon the top of the pillars. Now the network is that checker design. 43. And the 10 bases and the 10 lavers on the bases 44, and the one sea and the 12 oxen under the sea. So it's just recapping everything that he made for the outer court. 45, and the pots and the shovels and the basins, even all these vessels, which Hiram made for King Solomon in the house of the Lord, were of burnished brass. 46, in the plain of the Jordan did the king cast them in the clay ground between Succoth and Zarethan. Clay ground is really hard ground where they set up a station where they casted all of this brass. They melted it and then they cast it. 47. And Solomon left all the vessels unweighted because they were exceeding many. The weight of the brass could not be found. It was a hard enough job just to make all these things, so Solomon didn't bother weighing it. It was such a huge volume of brass that weighing it would be way too tedious, so they don't have a record of how much it was. 48. And Solomon made all the vessels that were in the house of the Lord, the golden altar and the table whereupon the showbread was of gold. He remade all of the furnishings of the temple, but he couldn't have remade the Ark of the Covenant because that's where God dwells. But he did remake the showbread table and the perfume table and the candlestick. 49. And the candlesticks, five on the right side and five on the left, before the sanctuary of pure gold, and the flowers and the lamps and the tongs of gold. 50. And the cups and the snuffers and the basins and the pans and the fire pans of pure gold, and the hinges both for the doors of the inner house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the house that is the temple of gold. The hinges are made of solid gold, which is incredibly beautiful. 51. Thus all the work that King Solomon wrought in the house of the Lord was finished, and Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, the silver and the gold and the vessels, and put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. I'm assuming the old furnishings also became part of the treasury where you wouldn't really see them. They were hidden away, but Solomon saved the old furnishings, meaning the old candlestick, the old showbread table, the old incense table. But there's no way they're going to redo the Ark of the Covenant because God is dwelling above it. 
later on Babylon steals almost all of the temple furnishings. That's how Israel lost all of these things. Babylon stole them. And there might be a few things still intact today, but I don't know where they are. But then there's probably a lot of items that were melted down or reused in a different way so that they couldn't be identified anymore. We do read in the book of Daniel that one of the evil kings of Babylon actually drank out of the golden cups that Solomon made for the priests to drink out of in the temple. So some of the golden cups had still survived up to the point of Daniel's time. But for now, that concludes 1 Kings chapter 7.